Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Attenzione! Um, welcome to a shamelessly opportunistic We Have Ways of Making You Talk um, Italy special. Because, well, why not, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, uh, Sunday marks, uh, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think this was going to happen because I've got a gig um, that almost coincides with the final. <laughs> oh dear. What are you going to do? No, I said, well, I think I said yes to it like a year ago. Um, well, they've moved the running order, so I'm on. In, in theory, si, certo. I'm, in, I'm on in theory in time enough to get home okay. um, and watch the game at home. But you know, I don't think what, what I, I think everyone's going to want you to do that, aren't they? Well, yes, <laughs> the best yes. will in the world. I mean, I'd, I'd be amazed if anyone shows up. But there you go. Yeah. Um, if, if I don't show up, I don't get paid. And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but anyway, this is a, so. Let's take the opportunity, James, shall we? To 
I mean, it, it, to talk about, you know, because I don't think we've talked about Italy in the Second World War as a sort of, uh, you know, as the single amorphous subject, have we? The, the, no, the... and actually, I mean, I mean, Tony's been saying to us, come on, we'll just do, just do, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I mean... <laughs> like an hour and 25 minutes i mean it's such a big subject it's well um, after all you could argue the italians start the second world war long before anyone else does you know their their escapades in ethiopia are part of the acceleration to war that 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 create the global crisis you know the the, the way the italians come on is one of the things that undermines the league of nations more than anything else isn't it yeah um, and then yes absolutely um it, it really does and then and then of course you have the pact of steel the spring yep. of 1939 and and you know it is it is all heading one way i mean it's really interesting it's it's sort of first of all the sort of limits on mussolini's power so mussolini takes over in uh, he becomes a fascist dictator in 1922 italy yep. before that has been on the allied side in the in the yeah in the first world well, war well that's one of the most remarkable things isn't it is that is that you know germany ends up germany ends up um uh, uh grievous greek you know grievously um uh angry with the post-war situation having lost right yeah the italians are on the winning side and end up grievously angry with the post-war well because because which is which is incredible isn't it you know yeah Uh, and their you know their war is really against the sort of the austrian empire rather than the germans and it is predominantly austrian troops that they come up against not exclusively of course because as we know rommel fights a very important engagement up in um up in uh um up in the Alps as well, in the yeah, in that in the later part of the of the First World War. I mean, the interesting thing about it is is that after immediately afterwards, the, the, you know, there is revolutionary fervor in the air, and the, and the thing is, you have to remember that that Italy, like Germany, is a very very young country, you know, yep. sort of eighteen sixty one or whatever it is, eighteen sixty, yeah, and and it has always been a, more of a sort of more of a sort of geographical entity than a nation state, even. Even yeah. in 1918, after the First yeah. World War, you know, um, despite yes, all those exists, freedom fighters, it's, it's, it kind of it exists in contrast to its history, doesn't it? You, yes, you know, and it's, so it, yes, and it's and it's very interesting because although 99.24 percent of the entire country are Roman Catholic, there are more regional patois in Italy than any other country in Europe. Yeah, yeah, you know, more so yeah. than. Well, I, funnily enough, I went for I went for a meal at a fantastic Italian restaurant last night, and the and the guy was saying that when when he went to school, um, uh, you know, which would have been late seventies, early eighties, the Italian children at that school couldn't all talk to each other. Yeah, because they were all from all over Italy, and they they was the Italian government paid for them to have Italian lessons so they could all learn Italian yes. and talk to each other. Yeah, in Britain. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's absolutely. You know, so that illustrates your point. This yeah. is sort of crazy paving, isn't it? I mean, and, and the thing is, is and the well, and the interesting thing is, isn't it? Is Germany has been cobbled together. You know, they're both products of post eighteen forty eight nationalist movements, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Nineteenth uh, century nationalist movements that, that that sort of jam these countries together. And at the end of the First World War, Germany emerges, and we've talked about this with Katja Hoyer. Germany emerges as Germany, as a, a solid Germany, rather than you know a bit of Bavaria, a bit of Prussia, and all that. Yeah, and Italy sort of emerges as a, as a single Italy, but this but it's weak, isn't it? In the way that yes. the German stre- the German German idea is strong, the Italian idea is weak. Yes, uh, and and it and there is it is a monarchy, and and the monarchy is again doesn't have that long. You know, there's the Kingdom of the Two Sicilies, there's yeah. there's Piedmont and all the rest of it. You know, 
the, the, the problem with the new royal family is that, uh, you know, the, the, the old Dukes of Savoy, is that there isn't that long heritage behind them. So, yeah. the, so the monarchy is inherently weak. It doesn't yeah. have that kind of. It doesn't have the kind of generations and centuries behind it to kind of support the whole concept as a as an institution. Yeah. And what you've yeah. got at the end of the First World War is an impoverished country, um, which has just been absolutely financially ruined by the First World War, and you've got lots of great thinkers and artists and poets and all the rest of it, again, sort of steeped in kind of revolutionary fervor. And out of that comes the arch manipulator Mussolini, who's a who's a journalist and a very smart and canny operator and, and journalist, and creates this yeah. fascist state. But it is still a royalty. It's still a monarchy. And yeah. and, and this is so the interesting it's really, thing. It, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because it's a constitutional monarchy fascist state, isn't it? it yes. It, you know, near, I mean, obviously, that's a near as damn it description. It's the, you know, if you're comparing it to a, a, other other things, that's kind of as close as you can get, isn't it? Yes, and it's, it's interesting because because Mussolini is the first fascist and the first fascist dictator, but he's there are checks on his power. He doesn't have that kind of absolute power that Hitler does um, yeah. post the middle of 1933 when he kind of abolishes all other other political parties. You know, and when when um, Hindenburg dies, you know, suddenly yeah. he's totally, totally 100% in control. That is never yeah. the case of Mussolini. Mussolini always has to kind of have one eye on the on on the workers and the and the you know the people in the fiat factories and the yeah. uh, uh, and in the north and people in the south and the aristocrats and of course the king as well so his power is pretty strong but it's not 100 yeah. uh, percent and and that is a yes i mean hitler's main problems are with his own movement aren't they i mean yeah. uh, you know the, the 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 stuff that's the stuff hitler's sort of putting mo- a lot of his political internal to political energy into it is controlling the party isn't it and um yeah. su- suppressing elements of of a movement that you know sort of r- at one point is, is running out of his control uh, yeah. you know whereas whereas Mussolini is actually politically managing a country in in, in a sort of in a quite conventional way in that respect isn't he yes and he what he does is he gets uh he gets the support of the aristocracy and the well-to-do and yeah. all the rest of it because they're thinking god we've had it up to here with these sort of you know wishy-washy politicians who can't decide anything who can't organize a piss up in yeah. a brewery at least we've got someone who's strong you know is making us all have a bit of sort of nationalist self-belief which is kind of the whole point of 1860 in the first place yeah you know so so you know from that point of view what's not to like and what is not to like is is once I mean the, the threat actually to Italy is from Nazi Germany and that's why yeah. Mussolini signs the Pact of Steel is yeah. is not because yeah I want to be you know a one with Adolf it's because if I don't we're vulnerable to German expansionism yeah. And, yeah, and what he really wants to do is just create his own little Roman Empire. He wants to have the Mediterranean Sea. He wants to control the Balkans and North yeah. Africa and the Suez Canal because he knows that he hasn't got access to the world's oceans. He, you know, Italy is stuck in the Mediterranean, and that that might have been enough in ancient times, but it isn't by nineteen, you know, by the yeah. late nineteen thirties. Yeah. So the best way to keep Germany out of your hair is to have a, an alliance with them, well, where they well, do I'll... their thing. And we'll do yeah. our thing. And the whole point is, it's 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 Hitler likes it because it defends his his southern flank. He doesn't have to worry about yeah. that, which means he can concentrate on the west, concentrate on the east, and he just doesn't have to worry about the southern bit. 
I, I mean, interestingly, that that doesn't that doesn't sound unlike the idea that Hitler says, I, you know, leave leave Europe to me. What he's supposedly pitching to the British Empire, leave you leave Europe to me. You can have the British. Empire. It, it, it's that kind of sphere of influence thinking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, after all, who's Mussolini going to run into actually if the Mediterranean's left to him? Well, the British and the French. So his 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 problem is the same as Hitler's. Even though he's trying to point it all in a different direction, isn't he? You know, he, yeah. he, he, you, you know, you can't control the Mediterranean. France aren't going to let you, and the British certainly aren't. Yeah, I mean, what the British do come the start of the war is is obviously Italy is is not entering the war, and and it wants Britain wants to make sure that Italy doesn't enter the war. Yeah, and so it blockades coal going to you know from Germany around the kind of Baltic through the Channel down into yeah. the Mediterranean. It just blocks it, it stops it. Uh, you know the yep. Italians are absolutely furious, but but you know what can they do about it? Uh, and and mm. economic sanctions are the way to kind of keep. It's the same kind of carrot and stick thing that's going on with Spain. Yeah, and and in the first end of nineteen thirty nine and the first part of nineteen forty, that's incredibly effective because Italy can't do anything about it. You know they need yep. that stuff, and they need yep. to kind of b- b- cooperate with Britain. The difference is that when France looks like it's beaten, and when the British army has, has retreated back from Dunkirk. Mussolini suddenly thinks Britain's finished. Yeah. And, and and he misreads Britain in exactly the same way that Hitler misreads Britain in thinking that they're beat yeah. when actually they're not because, you know, senior service, Royal Navy, you know, global reach, blah, 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 yeah, yeah. urgent air power, all the rest of it. It doesn't mean they're beaten at all. And, and the problem is, is it's really interesting. There's... Um, on the edge of Syracuse on Sicily, there's this fascist memorial um, overlooking the sea, just on the edge of town. And yeah. it's incredible. It's like a big rectangular kind of archway thing. And it's got sort of lots of bas reliefs on it. And it's and it's yeah. sort of, I think it's built in like, I don't know, 1937, something like that, or 38. Yeah. So it's before the yeah. war, but they've gone into Abyssinia. And, yeah. and it's got tanks on it, but really crap tanks. It's got guns on it, which are really obviously First World War guns on it. It's got soldiers yeah. with helmets on, and they look all kind of yeah. okay-ish. But it's also got lots yeah. of horses. It's got lots of biplanes. And it just says... Out I know of what date. they're trying to do. What they're trying to do in 1937, 1938, when it's built, is go, God, how cool are we? We're like super modern. We're kind of sophisticated. Yeah. We're militaristic. We're the new Roman yeah. Empire. And it just looks like kind of, you know, a Roman kind of column, you know, victory column or whatever. Um, and obviously, that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. But when you look at it now, you just go, flipping heck, that's out of date. And it just underlines just how behind they are. But but they're behind. They're behind. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, the Italians, if they'd concentrated on being a naval power, you know, they're, they're not unaffected as a naval power. And it's it's rather it's rather like the Germans. That you know, you've got to make up your mind what you are um, in terms of you know the Germans have made up their minds really that they're a land power, continental yep. power fighting a continental war, and their digressions into naval power. Uh, you know, are unfortunate for them aren't enough. Unfortunately, you know that they they don't get that right. Which the Italians, their digressions into land power, a lot of it doesn't work out for them. Obviously, I mean, when it, what we can't do because it because it's been it's been pretty much um, pulled apart is the idea that you know is all the all the jokes about Italian tanks having five reverse gears and all that sort of stuff that, that they do fight well when they're well organised, when they're well trained, when they're well motivated. And as well as anyone else, you know, don't don't they? They have the, those initial disasters uh, against O'Connor, where he sort of completely bamboo- bamboozles them and runs rings round them. But but by the time they're 
part of the Africa Corps, or fighting alongside the Africa Corps, the Italians mm. do very, very well, don't they? So that yes. So so, I mean, it is interesting, isn't it? Because well, they have moments so, of doing really well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, I think in the desert, in the desert, everyone has moments of doing very well. And well, they do particularly well. They do absolutely partic- rubbish. So you know, it's, well, yes. It's, <laughs> you know, it's hot. I think it's a tough one to sling around as a as an accusation in the desert, isn't it? When you the 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 I mean, I remember. Um, I think it was Bedolio. Uh, the Germans sort of um, wrote to Bedolio in in Jul- end of June, nineteen forty, and said, "Listen, we've learned a huge amount doing this French, you know, this campaign in the West. Um, we've yeah. made a whole load. This I'm sort of paraphrasing, but this is the, the nub yeah. of it. You know, we've made a whole load of notes and stuff, and and we'd like to share our kind of you know what we've learned." Um, and Bedolia basically just went, no, thanks. <laughs> We're fine. We like doing infantry. You know, so it's very top heavy. It's very infantry heavy. The, yeah, the officer class that... is, is, you know, they have, the, they also, have, you know, the Italians in, the, in you know, when they, beginning of July, they go, uh, I can't remember what the main government, you know, the equivalent of parliament. It's not called parliament. It's called something else. But, but anyway, whatever it is in, in Rome. What they do is, is they normally knock off at two in the afternoon. Well, it's a senate, isn't it? Isn't it? It's not the after? senate. No, no, it's 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 not. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But 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 yeah, yeah. The, the kind of main form of government. So what they do is they, is they go. You know, now we're all at war. Don't you think we should sort of maybe work a little bit later this afternoon? You know, work slightly longer hours. And they go, yeah, we probably should really. So uh, let's knock off at four <laughs> instead. And we goes, oh, okay, if we have to. <laughs> End of July, nineteen forty. They go, should we just knock that and then go back to two? And they do. You know, they're just, it's so top-heavy. It, it's but unbelievable. Is Bedolio, but, but is Bedolio, to go back to that point you made there, is he not, like, just being realistic? There is no there is no way the Italians can come up with um, the stuff to do armoured war. So isn't he really kind of saying, well, you know what, you know, maybe he, maybe that, that that's him being entirely realistic and has a proper appreciation of what he can achieve you know he can't you know that 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 thing the good generals know what they can and can't do rather than sort of engaging what would have been pie in the sky for the for the italians with their industrial base and so on no i, I, I don't think so i think if you're no, going to I'm take on to... the if you take on the british i think you need to know a little bit about them and about kind of you know modern techniques that the germans have employed and and you know think about those things um, you know, from people who've been victorious and who, after all, are your allies. I mean, why wouldn't you yeah. take that advice? But, but I mean, isn't, I mean there, it's, isn't, isn't there often though? Um, I, I'm trying, trying to find a way to express this. Isn't there often a problem though in the way that we look at Italy that it that that it's always the adjunct, it's always the postscript, it's always the sort of you know the 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 the, the third thing on the drop down menu when talking about the Second World War. When in actual fact. In the run-up to the war, the British imperial worldview was as worried about the Italians screwing up the Mediterranean for the British Empire as anything else. Yeah. That 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 Italian expansionism. And, and, you know, I said this at the start. Italian expansionism, Italian adventures in Africa, also result in the degrading of the world order and the the ability of people to to work. Um, you know, multilaterally to, for security purposes, that and that encourages Hitler, and that allows Hitler the 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 leeway and the the space to manoeuvre in the way that he does, um, uh, and that and that actually Italy is a far more important player in the Second World War than people like to give, kind of like to give it credit for. That you know, all eyes on Germany, but actually, what Mussolini's up to in the Mediterranean is incredibly because after all, how do we get to India? 
through the Mediterranean unless we want to go around the long way. You know, it, it, it's incredibly important to the British imperial outlook. And Italy is, Italy is easily import, as important um, as a combatant as Germany, because after all, the Med has been the Royal Navy's sphere of influence for a very, very long time. Since the Napoleonic Wars. Ex- exactly. And you don't want that. You don't want the Middle Sea messed with, do you? If you're the if, no, you don't. And, and you've got and, and you've got actual possessions there. You know, Malta, yeah. Gibraltar. These are key, yeah. key exactly um, outposts. I mean, the, the, the in the, the way that we is, don't have that, possessions in mainland Europe. You know, we don't have possessions in you know. No. And you so so, so you know, uh, Chamberlain saying Czechoslovakia is a faraway country of which we know nothing, right? Of which we know little, right? Well, fine, yes, but like you say, Malta, Gibraltar. Um, e- Egypt. Egypt is a protector. A protector. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. You know, like uh, it, it, it's got it's got a it's got a euphemistic uh, place in the British sphere of influence. But yeah. all that's really, really important. And and eyes are on that as much as they are on on the Sudetenland. And uh, yes, uh, and that, and that's absolutely true. And it's also the the case. Well, I. Yes, um, I think that is that is largely true. I mean, it is when you look at cabinet cabinet papers and you look at you know Chamberlain's diaries or you know what Churchill's writing and all the rest of it. You know, it's absolutely clear well, what, that what Italy, Eden, Italy is does, taking up every bit as much time and as. What does, as he, kind of what does Eden? What does Eden resign over after all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Italy, you yeah. know, um, and the the government's approach to Italy. He's not. He doesn't throw his toys out the pram because of. Because of Germany, and after all, you know, you've also got that thing that Mussolini's been around a lot longer. Hitler's still quite new in the thirties, isn't he? Whereas yeah. Mussolini's well entrenched, and yeah, you're yeah. probably thinking, well, this is the status quo. Is is the Italian government how we deal with it? Whereas mate, a lot of people are thinking Hitler's only going to last five minutes in the thirties, aren't they? When they're yeah. looking at Germany, and Italy is much more part of the picture. And after all, you've got that classic. British ruling class ambivalence about about these sort of energetic dictators who seem to be able to get stuff done. You know, an awful lot of people. Well, and also there is a, in, there in is society think Mussolini's groovy, don't they? They think he's. They there's think also he's, uh, there's also huge cultural links to to Italy. Yeah. I mean, you know, British people love Italy. They always have done the Grand Tour and all the rest of it back in the kind of yeah. you know 18th century. You know, it, it's seen as this place of art and culture and well, music, and you know, well, people travel there get, and. Which again, in contrast, you know, the, the, I mean, that's for that's a really, really interesting point, isn't it? Because whenever we talk about Germany, it, or, or, or it's a standard way of talking about Germany, how could the most cultured country in the world fall into the grip of Nazism? Well, I, I would argue that Italy is is yeah, gonna, is know, it superior? Talk about talk- yeah, if we're going to talk about culture. Italy, it, Italy beats Germany hands down, doesn't it? Well, in, yes, in, in and there's not, so, nothing. So, yeah, so how did that fall to fascism? You know, like, but no one ever says that. That that doesn't seem to be part of the sort of the way you talk about Italy and uh, fascism in Italy, the way the way it is, the way you talk about Nazism and Germany and culture. Anyway, we need to take a, a very quick break because we were going to talk about this briefly and look what's gone and happened, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with uh, me, Al Murray, and James Holland. In our opportunistic, like Mussolini, we're being opportunistic at the prospect of uh, <laughs> an encounter with the English. Um, uh, um, well, let, I'll tell you what. We should, let's do. Let's do something here, James. Let's talk about the start, the very beginning of the of the of the Royal Navy's efforts against Italy. 
And I think, you know, the most famous in- encounter is Taranto. Um, Taranto, yep. Yep. Uh, so let's start at the beginning and then let's go. And then, can I, do, and then can I just go back very quickly, yeah, just course, one stage more, course. which is, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, I, I have to bring up Malta because I, I do think that Malta is, does play this really, really pivotal role in the Mediterranean War because it's bang in the middle. It's kind of, you know, it's 900 miles to, to, to Alexandra. It's 900 miles or so, a thousand miles to Gibraltar. Yeah. There it is in the middle. And, you know, and if, and if Italy wants to get to, North Africa, it's got to kind of basically sail past Malta. So yeah. from a point of view, it, it, it's, an, it's an offensive base more than a defensive base. And obviously what, what the Italians should have done right at the start of the war is go all out for it. And on the 11th of yeah. June, they send over some bombers, drop a few bombs, a couple of people, you know, a few people get killed as a, as a young gunners on the Fort St. Elmo um, who get killed and stuff. But they don't press home the attack and, and even in the summer of 1940, Britain hurriedly sends over vast numbers of anti-aircraft guns yeah, yeah. Um, and, and hurricanes even. You know, the height of the Battle of yeah. Britain, hurricanes yeah. are being sent over to Malta. Malta becomes this kind of sort of festung in, in Hitler's parlance. Uh, and the Italians, they have never had a better opportunity and they totally fluff it. They, they, but you know, that- it is a catastrophic decision. But is that is that because actually what Mussolini doesn't really want is a proper encounter with the British? Is he is is he hoping that what's going to happen is he'll, he'll, he's basically joined the winning side? There will be a peace treaty, um, uh, yeah, completely in short by the autumn, and and he will say you're going to have to give me Malta if you want peace in the Med, and you know there'll be some sort of some sort of simple trade off, and and he, I mean, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? The Germans need a quick victory. Mussolini needs a quick peace treaty. He, he, yes. he can't. He doesn't even want a quick victory. He can't even. He hasn't even got the stuff to do that. He's not even geared. He, he, he operates well, in a purely political medium, doesn't he? Rather than a yes, but, medium. but he, yeah. but absolutely. But but he thinks he's militarily far stronger than he actually yeah, is, yeah. and all his serious, um, senior commanders all know this. So there's no enthusiasm from the Regia Aeronautica. Uh, or the or uh, the Italian Royal Navy to invade, invade Italy, which is why they don't do it very well. There's absolutely yeah. no enthusiasm from Rudolf uh, Rodolfo Graziani, who's the kind of yeah. guy in charge in in North Africa, to invade Egypt. He does it incredibly reluctantly. He goes back kind of two hundred yards and stops. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, it has to be kind of almost physically pushed into doing it by Mussolini yeah. in September 1940. There is no enthusiasm because they know that they're not very strong and they're not, they haven't got what it takes to beat the British. Yeah. But Mussolini is bulldozing all of that and just thinks that because of what's happened in France, that Britain is right for the plucking and he's just totally misread it. You know, his geopolitical understanding is so narrow-minded, it's even well, more narrow-minded than Hitler's. Well, he's also he's also on the receiving end of the strategic earthquake, isn't he? You know, he, yes, he thinks absolutely. he thinks the British are beatable, you know, in the in and and is so uh, and, you know, he believes the Blitzkrieg hype like everybody yeah, else. Y- y- yes, but 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 that's also because because militarily he's not up to it. Politically, yeah. he's an unbelievable um, um, operator, operator yeah. but 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 he's an operator on his own own terms and within his own 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 sphere, and he doesn't he doesn't get Britain, he doesn't understand it, he doesn't understand how how those people think. You know, he, he can understand Hitler, but he can't understand Britain or the you know the democratic free world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the or or Britain's imperial 
um, attitude too, which is no. actually, I mean, it, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you could talk about the war against Japan as, as, as an imperial conflict between two, you know, between two empires or sort of with an established empire and a wannabe empire. And that's sort of, there's a firm element of that in the Mediterranean, isn't there, in this encounter? Yeah. Um, uh, right. Okay. Well, let's not bother with Toronto because uh, yeah, let, let's go to the end of the war. Yeah. Um, fast forward. So, well, there's sort of two ends to the war, or, or, or sort of an ending in a half in Italy, isn't there? Where the, where the Italians change sides. Um, yes. Um, and that doesn't pan out the way anyone hopes. Um, neither yeah. for the Allies, nor for the Italians, nor for the Germans. The Germans are the, the Germans are the, the, the handle it from their point of view, the best, don't they? And are the most alive to it. It's, it's unbelievably clinical. And it's unbelievably clinical. And it's incredibly effectively done. Uh, and, you know, Italy's surrender poses Germany with, with a... You know, for the moment that... The, basically, the moment the Tunisia campaign is over on 13th of May 1943, Germany knows, and Italy knows that Germany knows, that it's out of the war. It's, yeah. it's just a question of how long it's going. You know, trust has completely 100% broken down. Yeah. You know, no one believes anything the other person's saying. So they're operating as allies together in the battle for Sicily, but but kind of, you know, hating each other's guts and not trusting anything yeah. that anyone says. Yeah. Which yeah. is one of the reasons why the Germans completely op- start operating unilaterally and just sort of freezing out the Italians. and like, you know, your shit, we're going to just do it on our own. And yeah. at least we know we can trust ourselves. And and, and actually, Bedolia, who takes over as a political leader um, when Mussolini is deposed on the 25th of, of, of July, yeah. actually, initially doesn't have any intention of of uh, i mean he, he wants to get out of the war but he's not going to just suddenly throw in the towel at all you know he wants to see what the germans can do for them the germans basically say absolutely nothing so at yeah. that's the point where they start negotiating with the allies uh, and what the germans do is they they launch operation access which is this plan to just kind of sweep in and take over everything and that means taking over the balkans it means taking over the whole of the aegean greece yeah. you know yeah. leros kos Rhodes, all that kind of stuff in the in the dodecanese um, and of course, all of Italy as well, and that that involves an awful lot of manpower, which could be better used on the Eastern Front or, you know, Western Front or or wherever. So, the idea that it's a sideshow for Germany is is not the case at all. And of course, having to defend the southern flank is a nightmare for Hitler because the whole point was going of <laughs> signing the Pact still in the first place was to make sure that that was kind of parked yeah. and out of the way and, and it's yeah, never yeah. worked from the moment they have to intervene in Greece and you know for the moment they have to intervene in North Africa you know blah yeah. blah blah but but that plan to take over is incredibly clinical and everything is poised to do it just literally the moment that the Germ- the Italians throw in the towel vam straight into those all those military institutions um, barracks all the rest of it they're going to be completely overrun I mean that's what Kefalonia is all about and, and yeah. you know Captain Corelli's mandolin and all the rest of it yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that is about that moment in September 1943 uh, and, and, the, and the bottom line is is the king and Bedolio that they flee Rome the whole thing is a total shit show uh, I mean they just completely cock it up they, they yeah. haven't planned at all for this and, and suddenly they're on the kind of other side and you know Britain is now that they're not allies; they're co-belligerents, which is not the same thing at all. And, and America yeah. and so on, and Canada. Uh, and for Italy, it is absolutely the worst case scenario because they've got a new sort of quasi ally who's not very friendly and is feeling slightly vindictive, which is absolutely no yeah. question that, that the allies are. Yeah, you've got Germany who is also deeply vindictive and betrayed, and all the rest of it. So you've got you know best part of eight hundred thousand <laughs> Italian soldiers who are then force marched back into Germany and and used yeah. as slave labour. You know it, it's 
Every, and, what, and you're facing the prospect what, what of a long campaign, kind of fighting through Italy and, and causing vast amounts of destruction. What, ha- what happens to the Italian soldiers on the Eastern Front when this happens? Well, don't forget, get um, Eighth Army's already been um, destroyed, already been destroyed hasn't it? So they're yeah, not really there. Yeah. You know. They're not really there. So there aren't any. There basically aren't any left. No. God. I mean, the, 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 I mean, the situation Italy finds itself in. Um, uh, it it, it know, couldn't the, be worse. It couldn't be worse for the last two years of the war. And, and again, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, that the, the liberation of France happens in Normandy, and it's only Normandy that's completely totaled and smashed up and has, you know, this storm of steel come through it, really. Um, uh, the whole of Italy gets the treatment, basically, doesn't yeah, it? From, it is, bottom, yeah. It's, it's, it's just this, this typhoon of steel. Uh, and I was, you know, I absolutely, like a lot of Brits, you know, I completely love Italy. I've spent a huge amount of time yeah. there. I love every bit about it, everything about it. And and yeah. I found, you know, I wrote this, this I did this work on, on Italy years ago. So I'm my second or third, third book. Yeah. Uh, and I always, I thought, I was really struck when I, when I started looking into this, how most books about the campaign in Italy, they're about, Allied troops against German troops. And you think, well, hang on a minute, this is this incredibly populous country at 44 million. You know, what happened to all the Italians? Yeah. And no one writes about it. And everyone forgets there is this effectively a civil war that takes place, you know, particularly yeah. in the north where you've got you've yeah. got people who are kind of, sort of deeply anti, anti-Nazi, anti-fascist, you know, partisans and all the rest of it. You know, this incredibly bitter war of sort of Italians against Italians. I remember, I remember talking to this... this um, deputy commander of the Stella Rossa partisan brigade yeah and I said to and I said to him well, how did you feel about shooting and killing other Italians I mean you know these are your these are your own countrymen and he just shrugged and he said they had their dance we had ours <laughs> bloody hell yeah bloody yeah. hell and he was betrayed so he was in a he was in a cave mountain cave and they, they there was this guy who'd, who'd infiltrated them and he um he, he, this guy betrayed them, and in the middle of the night, um, Gianni, who was a guy I, I I knew, was woken up by Lupo shouting. Lupo was Mario uh, Musolesi, who was the partisan commander. Yeah, um, uh, and had fought in North Africa, and this the the, uh, the 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 traitor was trying to was stabbed him in the arm in the in the middle of the night, and he and Lupo had rolled over and was having they were having a fight. And so Janny grabbed the, the traitor, pulled him off Lupo, and they then had this tussle. And the traitor had this knife, and he was kind of bringing it closer and closer and closer to his forehead, and the tip pierced Janny's forehead before Lupo then recovered, despite having a stab wound in his arm, yeah. pushed him off. Bloody and I said, so, you know, he said, said, you know so, so he said, so we got him. And I said, so, so what did you do with him? What happened afterwards? And he said, I took him outside, and I went, and I'm doing a kind of shooting gesture. Yeah. yeah. And that was that. I mean, really tough and brutal. And, and, and you know, this is this is going on all the time. You know, and I, I interviewed fascists as well. And, and, you know, people who were doing anti-partisan operations and, you know, doing all sorts of terrible things. And, and then I got called up. I would call up people who were, you know, I, I interviewed this lady who was, who was raped by Moroccan Goumiers. You know, as the FEC, the French Expeditionary Corps, kind of went up through after the Battle of Casino, you know, and her son had picked up, her son Lorenzo had been four and had picked up a, a mortar shell or something that had, you know, basically her farm in the mountains was just sort of, you know, in the middle of the, this this line and picked up this shell and taken it back to 
her father's house. They'd both killed themselves, it had blown up. On the day of the funeral, she was so upset she couldn't she couldn't face going to the funeral, so she stayed at home. Four Moroccans came in and gang raped her. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I mean, you, know, so you, you realise this is this is just it's just but, truly catastrophic. But this is the uh, but this is this is the the, the byproduct of of two years of war in Italy, isn't it? It's that yeah. you know in in France, really, there's only th- three months of war in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, for, to get after Overlord with Overlord yeah. and the Normandy battle, and you wonder what two years of well, it's eighteen months. Of... It's, it's just terrible, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's terrible, yeah. and it's and it's and it's and you, you know, you talk to Americans or or British or or even Germans who who fought there. You know, they 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 have this complete contempt for the Italian. Oh, we fought the Italians with brothers. They bloody had it coming. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, and then they start telling you about the time where they were kind of out of the line. You know, there's a pause in the battle and they're billeted with some Italian families and you know one of them falls in love with a daughter and yeah. you know the mother treats them like a long lost son and they're all having kind of spaghetti together and you know and when they leave there's tears and you know they kept in touch what? with them ever since after the war you know they, they and they, they suddenly re- realise that these people are lovely you know for the most part warm hearted open hearted yeah. you know lovely warm people that we all know and love when we go and visit there on holiday I mean yeah well, Milligan's books, Spike, Spike Milligan's books, you know, he quite clearly, I mean, he falls in love with an Italian woman and uh, he quite clearly loves Italy, is, be, is bewitched and beguiled by the place. Yeah. Um, uh, and only really ever talks about fighting the Germans. It's interesting. He, 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 I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think they ever did actually run, I can't remember, if they did actually run into fight any Italians. But his whole view is of what a beautiful place it is and how wonderful the people are and you know how, how the country's traduced by its leadership basically yeah and betrayed well, by its leadership yeah well i mean you know mussolini's desperate to sort of re, you know he gets re, reinstated as a sort of puppet yeah. dictator in in the rsi that you know the socialist republic yeah. of italy which is the you know, Salo, is the puppet yeah. state yeah Salo, yeah exactly and he um um, he's desperate to create his own divisions. Eventually, after kind of much, much lobbying, you know, Hitler allows him to have, I think, three divisions. I think they have, and they only come into the war right at the very end because they're under-trained, under-equipped, and all the rest of it. Where the vast majority of Italian Italian troops in the north are used are as SS police battalions and as the GNR. And the GNR is the kind of neo-fascist militia, yeah. the, the RSI's fascist militia. And obviously the SS are the kind of, you know, run by Karl Wolf and all the rest of it. Um, uh, you know, they're police battalions, so they're kind of... But Mussolini's yeah, main but... Mussolini's main priority is saving his own skin by this point, isn't it? Or, or, or after the, after the, after the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, completely the collapse of uh, his government. That that's what he's really concerned. Yeah, with. and he's a complete shadow of his former self. Yeah, he knows yeah. he's a puppet. He knows it's you know he's just it's all over. I mean the the, the British the Americans say we're not having anything to do with the Italians whatsoever. Um, we're not going to train them. The, the British because they're so short of troops in in Italy, they do train um, uh, again um, some some. Royal Army troops, yeah. and they kit them out in British kit and Tommy helmets and all the rest of it. And again, they 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 fight on the East Coast, on the Adriatic coast, not terribly effectively. So there's there's very few Italians, but but where you know most people are are, are fighting is is where Italian 
are fighting is as partisans or as fascist militia or SS police battalions yeah. fighting yeah. those partisans. And the number of partisan bands there are in northern Italy at the end of, you know, summer of 1944, because, of course, it's easy to be a part. It's easier to be a partisan in the summer of 1944 because it's summer, you know, so it's dry, <laughs> it's sunny, it's warm. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a winter of 1944-45, which is just catastrophic for them. Um, and, and, you know, this war is going on. And then post the, the kind of, you know, um, 24th of April, you know, that's when the bloodletting really go, goes out because suddenly all these, these partisans are taking their revenge on the fascists. And, you know, it's estimated kind of sort of between fifteen and 30,000 fascists are killed. God. You know, right at that end of the, end yeah, of the war. yeah. You know, it's, it's it's terrible, and of course, you know, great works of art and great buildings and all sorts of stuff are stolen, looted, blown up, Monte Cassino, yeah, um, through to kind of all the bridges over the over um, um, in in Florence, apart from the Ponte Vecchio, you know, every single one blown up, um, whole villages completely destroyed. I mean, all round Casino, Casino, hundred percent destroyed, yeah. Frosinone, ninety five percent destroyed. You know, all those villages just absolutely flattened, and you can really tell when you go there now. You can see they're all rebuilt in the fifties yeah. and sixties, and they're all yeah. horrible. Yeah. You know, it's um. I mean, it's. I mean, you said it earlier that this is this isn't a sideshow. I mean, that's the thing. I, it, it's so often simply dismissed as that. Um, but if if you're if you're Italian. This ain't no, this ain't no sideshow, is it? And uh, uh, no, uh, um, and and that that whole, in fact, the entire theatre so definitely isn't. There is no soft underbelly. I mean, I, I imagine Churchill spent the rest of his life kicking himself for describing it as such. You know, well, uh, except that except that it was a, you know it was a soft underbelly from the point of view of attacking Nazi Germany because well and, and, you know, politi- it, it, and politically militarily well. soft is what well meant, and, and poli- well and politically didn't he I mean he he gambled right on the Mussolini's Mussolini government collapsing and the Italian the Italian you know and the king and after all after all, we, you know right at the start we talked about this is this is still weirdly a kind of constitutional monarchy the king the king is able finally to flex his muscles and you know Mussolini is not the head of state um which is the which is the critical part isn't it in the way that like you say Hitler Hitler made himself head of state and prime and you know and chancellor merged everything took all the power in the way that Mussolini just can't and 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 so that I suppose the British, the the Allied estimation that Italy will collapse, and uh, is it, quite right. Actually, it's just the the place is impossible to fight through quickly. It's uh, uh, it, even and with steel, not flesh, and bad roads, and you know the the the, the way the Allies prefer to fight. It's only ever going to be slow progress. Yes, I mean the, the the tragedy of Italy is that we didn't have enough shipping to to you know it's always that thing we never have enough of yeah. it. you know we, you've got yeah. enough to win the war but you haven't got enough to do what you want to do when you want to do it and yeah. and and Italy because it's long and thin completely lends itself to um, outflanking amphibious operations you yeah. know two two major attacks either side of the uh, of the leg at, at Pisa and Rimini would have seen yeah. it off just like that yeah the problem is they don't have that so they've got no no choice but to to slog it up and and the really you know the shortage of roads or the huge amount of mountains there's very few parts of italy which are remotely flat so that doesn't play into the kind of allied way of war of using vast amounts of mechanization yeah. and, and 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 all the rest of it um plus so all those terrible winters that i keep going banging on about i mean you know it, <laughs> it, it all works works against them but i mean i you know even in southern italy there was definitely a kind of vindictiveness with the way the allies imposed allied military yeah. government of occupied territories known as the amgod um, and then there was the control commission as well, and 
you know, all this was worked out by kind of sort of desk wallers back in Algiers in North Africa, kind of, you know, in the summer months of 1943. And without really understanding what Italy was like, really comprehending that kind of huge regional differences um, and just how impoverished they'd been by the war already. So they impose a sort of, you know, um, exchange rates and stuff on money, which which just makes causes huge inflation in southern Italy. Yeah, yeah. There's very shortage. There's huge shortage of, of of food anyway. And of course, the problem with the cities is that all the infrastructure has been destroyed by the retreating yeah. Germans, or already been bombed by um, by advancing by the allies. allies. Yeah, right, right. So there's there's almost no. You know, eighty five percent of all locomotives have been destroyed. You know, something like eighty percent of all train wagons have been destroyed i think it's sort of 85 percent of all trucks have been destroyed so you've got no means of getting you know all the electricity power yeah. stations have been blown up by the germans as they've retreated so there's no means of getting stuff from a to b which means you've got an awful lot of people there's no men around either because they most yeah. of them are in prison camps in britain yeah. or canada yeah um, uh, or in germany so so the women are left to do it and, and what do you do you've suddenly you've got all these uh, americans and british with all their canned food and and supplies and rations and all the rest of it so you have to prostitute yourself because that's the only yeah. way you can actually yeah. get any food to feed your kids yeah and so it is estimated by the um u.s fifth army um chief medical officer it's estimated that 44 percent of all women between 16 and 50 have vd by the summer of 1944 god you know, so so this is this is the terrible trauma that is imposed on Italy because of what it's done in the first part of the war and just how yeah. badly Mussolini's got it wrong in 1940. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, and that is the tragedy for the vast majority of people. You know, obviously the the aristocracy, those cities, they've supported Mussolini, but the vast majority of Italians are totally comsi comsar about it. They couldn't give a toss because yeah. they're not interested in regional, you know, in, yeah. in central authority. You know, their world is. The village with its wall on the top of the hill, yeah. but the war, but the, or Southern Tuscany or whatever, you know. Uh, but the war changes that, doesn't it? So yeah. So uh, uh, you know, after the war, um, central government in Italy, uh, you know, ironically becomes a thing that people are very concerned about because because it's gone so wrong for them, because it's yes. it's it's let them down so so dramatically. Um, uh, I think that's kind of kind of all we got time for. I mean, you know, I hope that's put you in the mood for a nice football match. <laughs> Well, on the plus side is that the, the plus side is how quickly Italy does recover. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are sort of equivalent of yes, there's an, and all the rest of it. Well, there's and, an know, Italian the economic miracle, isn't there, really? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fantastic. And, and the country that we all know, you know, people were flocking to, you know, to... You know, by the 1950s, it, it's absolutely remarkable, you know, and, yeah. and just just watch La Dolce Vita again, you know, just even just watch 10 minutes of it. It's just fantastic. That kind of, you know, that is the Italy that we can. And when was that made? 1959, 1960, yeah, like something that, like yeah. that. And, and it's just so cool, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, well, uh, like I said, I hope I hope this has all got you in the mood to see England uh, grind out a one-all draw and then go out on penalties. Um, the, the, uh, oh, ye of little faith. I'm not here to make any predictions. Um, uh, I thought, uh, you know, after all, like I said, I have a gig that, <laughs> that coincides with this match because, <laughs> no, you know, my agent, when he took the work, we didn't, well, first of all, we didn't know if there were, even was going to be a European Championship. So, you know, it's an honest mistake we've made there, Gov. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> well, By the have way, a good one. By the way, there's a new audio book which um, uh, starts on the on our Patreon. Um, we have Ways Patreon uh, starts on Monday, which is Louis Hagen's book Arnhem Lift. And uh, now Louis Hagen was a was a German Jew who fled Germany just before the war, got to Britain, 
then sort of mooched about, um, wondering what he was going to do with himself, and ends up ended up a glider pilot, flew to Arnhem, and then wrote a, an extraordinary account in sort of in the autumn of that year, so straight away. And we've got that as an audiobook, and it's the later edition. So he, he tells his story of his life in Germany before he comes to Britain, and then some of his story afterwards. And and there's also a chapter by a German guy he befriends in later life, who was a staff officer, um, uh, a, a part a part of the you know German reaction. Well, there's some of the history that's a bit a bit wonky. Some of it's not quite right. Um, what this bloke thinks happened. But there you go, it doesn't matter. It's an f- absolutely fascinating read. And Hagen was a hell of a man. So um, that's on our Patreon, which is, we have ways. Uh, uh, you go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Um, and you put, we have ways of making you talk into it. And you'll find us. Find us. Use Google for crying out loud. Everyone has to use Google. Yeah, that's what everyone, that's what everyone else does. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening enjoy the chat enjoy the game uh, it's been nice talking to you James uh, on an unscheduled stop yeah and enjoy your gig <laughs> thanks very much bye everyone cheerio